Welcome to the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider, the podcast where we pull back the curtain and speak to the brains behind sales and marketing activity that has delivered real results. Get inspired and get actionable ideas by hearing what they did and how they did it. Brought to you by me, Ben Rose, along with Gorilla Technology. Welcome to another episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. I'm your host, Ben Rose, and today we're speaking to Janine Crossan, CEO and co-founder at Powered by Flossy, a powerful software solution taking the hair and beauty industry by storm. Janine started her first business at just 21, an online magazine, nzgirl.co.nz, and she went on to launch Bloggers Club, which paved the way for the influence of marketing industry in New Zealand. In 2004, she co-founded Youth Research Agency 18 Limited, and if that wasn't enough, she was also founding director at non-profit KiwiSaver Fund Simplicity. Janine was winner of the 2016 Most Inspiring Individual at the NZ Innovation Awards and a finalist for the Woman of Influence Awards, Woman of the Year, New Zealand Marketer of the Year, and International Verve Clicker Award. Today, Janine is busy running Flossy, a plug-and-play technology solution allowing customers to book beauty treatments online and delivering businesses paid upfront customers. More than $6 million has been invested in the company with the support of 42 investors, including Sir Stephen Tyndall, Teresa Getting, and Rob Campbell. Thank you for joining us, Janine. My pleasure. Thanks for having me here today. That's I think a- I feel I should take you everywhere. That was a great intro. That's a intro. <laughs> Can I you write my anything? bio for me, please? Yeah, no, no worries. You'll be much better than what I am. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what have I missed? That sounds like a hell of a journey so far. Um, yes. I feel like that's like pre-COVID um, way mm-hmm. of looking mm-hmm. at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I feel like I could add like a founding member of the COVID club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, yes, a, a new learner of um, sitting still and not doing much. <laughs> so, so looking at that list of things, it looks like sitting still isn't really your thing? Uh, well, it hadn't been, but it, mm. is, it, has, it is now. So, and you're seeing me on a rare out and about day. I don't go out. I, I don't leave Pihar any longer. <laughs> I'm only here because there was an AGM yesterday. Oh, thank, thank you for coming <laughs> Sorry, in. Really not just it. you. <laughs> Look, so uh, if you can t- talk me through, I suppose, that, that whole journey until mm. today. Um, and looking at it from a, from a sales and a marketing point of view, I suppose, yeah. you know, where, where do you start at the very mm. beginning? How do, you, how do you think about what am I going to do? What am I going to sell? Who's my customer? Oh, gosh. I was say, we're going to be here a long time if we start <laughs> at the beginning of that. It's 22 <laughs> years ago. So, um, Well, I always start at the inside, but that's, of course, just where I come at it from, uh, and I can only really put that lens on it. But um, I'm very much an insights-driven person, mm-hmm. so um, I look at data, and even probably before I knew that that's what I was doing, it still was a, yeah, a very right. instinctive for me to, to consider it from a – um, what's happening here point okay, of view okay. um, and then from there I guess following my nose down a path which seemed right I mean I'm, yeah. I'm fairly make it up as I go along kind of marketer <laughs> in fact even being called a marketer kind of gives me the giggles to be honest <laughs> <laughs> well if you, so, so let's let's talk about insights mm. so how, how does that work how do you start off with an insight what is an insight where does it come from for you mm. uh, that is a really apt question for me right now because I'm writing my first book and um, not even going to tell anyone much about it the fact that I've started this journey it, it could be five years from now that I actually finished delivering it but what I've realized through going through this process that um, that actually uh, being a strategist is kind of at my core. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like I naturally hunt out insights. Right. Um, sometimes I stumble across them and uh, other times I'll, it just pops, 
probably by the way I observe things that I'll look at something. I mean, I'm that geek that sits in a restaurant and goes, you know, oh, I wonder how much money they're making and yeah, yeah, spend yeah, the next yeah. half an hour telling it all up. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'll look at the way something works with this and that and that and possibly come up with a, how they should be doing it better. Mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. learned to not say those things out loud now, good. though. Good, yeah, that's probably a good tip. Yeah. <laughs> not so good at 23. I was really bad at that. Um, but, um, yes, yeah, so I guess the insights... I think it's more being open-minded to them mm-hmm. and being mm-hmm. ready to see where they are and yeah. kind of connecting the dots together across things. I'm, I'm very much about drawing parallels between things. So I, I don't I feel like it's just really innate because I don't feel I wasn't ever trained formally. Mm. I've never been to university. I've never sat an exam in my life. Um, this is just something that I, I guess, discovered and yeah. then yeah. – kept doing it (laughs) let's talk maybe about bloggers club because i think that was that was really interesting because now influencer marketing is a thing yes but it wasn't back then no well ahead of the curve (laughs) so what was the so where did you get the insight for that and how did you go about deciding (laughs) this is what it's going to look like and going to be fine enough because it's my least favorite business that i've been involved with (laughs) i love that you're asking me the questions um and also it has the least ingenuous it's probably the most disingenuous reason for starting a business um because i didn't really want to uh, let go of NZ Girl at that stage which was which was my first and yes. so it started as an online magazine when I was 21 as you said and um, I had that for 18 years before I finally retired it mm-hmm. and number one reason for retiring uh, was simply that I'd given up being interested in it about 10 years earlier right, and right. I had many times um, nearly sold it but each time required me to go with the golden handcuffs mm-hmm. for a long period of time mm-hmm. and I had zero interest in doing so so each time I almost sold it I the deal ended up falling over. Yeah, the idea yeah, of working yeah. for a, you know, one of them scared the crap out of me. So. Totally. Uh, and so Bloggers Club came out of um, a necessity to diversify. And if you okay. recall, we actually had a, an earlier attempt at that with Flossie Media Group, um, not to be confused with Flossie, the software company, purely um, the, the name itself is mm-hmm. something I managed to pick up through the transactions over the years. Um, not at all related to parties or companies. But um, the, the media group that we created was um, a, um, an ad network. This is, okay. gosh, 2007. I do remember that. Yes, yeah, I, remember. I, I know. I, I barely do. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, And it was just before the global financial crisis hit. Yep. And, um, and we pulled together about 50 different individual um, publishers into one environment and represented them as a, as a, as a, a collective. Yeah. Um, we did that across Australia and New Zealand. And we were pretty successful in that. We grew a business very quickly. I think we had 40 staff when we cared about that sort of metric back then. Um, it went very fast. We got some good funding from Movac at that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and the global financial crisis hit. And like most people who were still selling um, banner ads at that point, you know, yeah. we lost everything yeah. pretty much yeah. overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the next iteration of that really looked like um, influencer marketing. And so the insight really still was what drove it for me was that I knew that NZ Girl couldn't exist on its own and it was morphing increasingly into becoming an influencer space. So right, we'd, we'd right. transition from being an online magazine and into content led by um, the audience, uh, which went through some really interesting stages mm-hmm. uh, and then eventually settled on it becoming more of a blog yep. that somebody, um, if you recall, Belinda Nash was yep. the, the face of for quite a long time. That's right. Uh, and so through that, um, we 
started to pioneer the influencer space. We had our own influencer channel underneath NZ Girl, and I think we had 400 different content creators. Um, And they would do all the writing within Mm -hmm. that, and then they created their own, um, I guess, followings, and then we would put advertisers around that. So it was a transition from where we were in an ad network with individual sites to under the umbrella of NZ Girl having influencers. And then that became so powerful and so popular that we ended up pulling it up as its own, mm-hmm. and actually Bloggers Club mm-hmm. ended up owning NZ Girl. Right, so right, it went through quite a transition, and, and yeah. I guess that's a, um, one of the, the st- things people don't know much about how I operate, but I'm always thinking about how I can improve on this and how can we make it through this next stage and bring it to the next place. And I guess part of that comes from growing entrepreneurial businesses in New Zealand where you don't have the luxury of population, mm. you've got to figure out some really interesting ways of staying alive. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. in any other country in the world, if I tried to pull these off, we would have had you know individually really large businesses yeah. on their own, yeah, but yeah, it was yeah. just never the... Scale. Yeah, there wasn't the scale here uh, to make that work. So, to, how do you, uh, so, so day to day, how much of your time are you spending on thinking about the future and what the ne- next step looks like <laughs> running the business today um, on a good day? Oh, gosh. It's such a different world I live in now. Um, and I and I do need to provide this context for, for most people because they see me and they go, oh, you look so great, except for the big bags in the eyes. Uh, uh, because, you know, I am... Um, I look differently from where I did a year ago. I'm like, I'm literally four dress sizes smaller than I was. Yeah, I, I've yeah, lost a lot yeah, of weight. Yeah. I've got a tan. I live at Piha. Yeah, that's clear. You know, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but internally, I'm very broken. And mm-hmm. so this, what you're getting today, Ben, is the only bit of energy I have for mm-hmm. today. And so after this, I won't be doing much of us. I'm, I'm, I'm planning on picking up laundry from the laundromat I'm not doing my own at the moment. Uh, swinging past the uh, the fish shop and the vegetable shop, and then I'm going home I'm going to sit on my deck with a camera that I've acquired so that I can make sure I don't do anything else. Mm-hmm. And I guess the reason why I'm giving you that you know, wider story is um, I don't have the same capacity to think like I used to. Yeah, um, yeah, right. But I couldn't have picked, well, not that I picked it, a better time to do it, really, mm-hmm, mm, uh, mm, because mm. I discovered the hard way that uh, none of my clients are particularly interested in insights and strategy right this second. Yes, yeah, They're just yeah. trying to stay alive. And um, we figured that out beginning of this year where we you know, put two weeks of quite hard work into what the next iteration of our industry would look like as a result of COVID. Mm. And in theory, it's fabulous. That's right. <laughs> but who knows, right? And, well, in practice, they yeah. looked at us like, I've barely changed my underpants since yesterday. So the idea <laughs> of thinking about the future is probably a little bit... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Presumptuous, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and we yeah. just backed off and went. Oh crap! We forget how lucky we are in New Zealand. Um, even as exposed as I have been to it, mm. um, I think I had a moment of having to pull my head in and go. Nobody cares right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look, th- yeah. Thank, thank you, thank you for coming to this because I think you know what what you've done pre and during COVID is amazing and, and I think you know a lot of our listeners will benefit a hell of a lot from this so thank you oh no it's alright and I, I am always happy to help uh, I guess I just try to provide as much context for Kiwis when I can because I feel mm. way more exposed to it than what most are yes uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we are you know increasingly immune and the stats came out from Ministry of Health this morning about the, another substantial drop in our complacency levels yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, I see it all around me mm-hmm, and I'm mm-hmm, like no mm-hmm. people no just pull it together keep scanning <laughs> keep washing yep, yep exactly well so what what would be if you if you think about all the businesses that you've you know you've you started what would be your favorite mm. you don't have to say only the current one it could be any but the thing is it is the current one <laughs> <laughs> so why is it your favorite uh, well at the moment because um it's i'm doing it in a very different way than anything else i ever have yeah right and uh, and, and that's 
a reflection of this, the energy yes. uh, and lack thereof, um, the moment in time we're at in the world, mm. and also that we have enough cash, cash runway to do that, um, yeah. which is a real luxury at, at this stage. I mean, it won't, it won't go on forever, but mm. you know, we can survive another four months of lockdown without an issue. Because yeah. um, don't forget that my business is in lockdown right yes, now because yes, you know, it's, an, yes, it's, it's, a, it's a UK company. So, of course, of course. so we're, we're sitting here going, well, we can do this, this, this and this. We can't do that, that and that. Mm. And then, of course, mm. I just looked at it and went, you know, well, I think my team could really do with a, um, a big deep breath. So everybody, just breathe with me. <laughs> let's yeah, let's yeah. take this on the much, much slower um, level and, uh, you know, everyone feels much better for it. Um, so I guess that, impacts lots of things as I've always said that in order to be insightful you have to be not um, completely crazy and and so what I mean by that is running around like a headless chicken mm. um, not getting enough sleep throwing yourself yeah. around the world too often and yes. um, you know having no circadian rhythm so that's yeah. You learned that firsthand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The story of the last three years. So, um, But now um, working in a far slower manner, um, mm. although sometimes it's hard to tell because of the speed of which I speak, but um, I, I genuinely am going much slower. Um, I feel like it's opened up more opportunities to hear things. Mm. Uh, and so whilst we may not right. be able to roll out some of these futuristic ideas that we have, we're we're seeing the nuance and the nuance is actually really important right now in a moment in time where that might make the difference for some people between their business getting through this or not. Yeah, yeah. And particularly in our industry where yeah. um, you know, I work exclusively with product companies, um, not consumers. So we made a major shift from being a B2C business to being a B2B business. Mm-hmm. So whilst locally people might go, but Flossy.com's disappeared. Yes, it has. Um, we made that as a conscious decision that whilst it was great to have that front end for us to be able to use as our own testing engine, yeah, yeah. Um, the cost of it was too high for us Okay. to warrant it and actually it was a distraction all eggs in basket of B2B and so we work only with product companies so our contracts L'Oreal right. um, Estee Lauder and there's a couple other big ones and Irons in the Fire so no mean to, feat you <laughs> changed the whole culture and the whole oh, everything. working operations of the business absolutely uh, we completely changed it spun on its head uh, we started that process two years ago um, stumbled wow. across an insight yeah, and yeah. Uh, came back from London said to my team and to my board "Ah, by the way I don't think that we should do this anymore I think we should do this and this is my rationale for it and this Mm. is how we can go about it Mm. and they got on board within three months we'd made the the major change to it but we kept the B2C in New Zealand for the next year through that to enable us um, for everything we wanted to create as a scale tool for product companies we would then be able to um, trial on ourselves first And, and that worked great and then we got to a point last year and went that's cool mm. if we weren't in a lockdown sort of rolling yes. uncertainty kind of time where actually keeping individual salons and individual customers up to date whilst working with massive corporates where we're going through right, huge right, hoops right. to get them across the line. Yeah, it's a, You know, you just have to pick, pick a path. Which one yep, do you want? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and it wasn't a hard, difficult path then to choose that the product companies were the future for us. So, so talking about those, those bigger companies mm. where, you know, they're, they're involved and they are, you know, it's, it's hard to land a whale. Oh, and, yeah. you know, you, and Five years for L'Oreal. So, so let's let's talk about that because I think from a, from a sales perspective, how how does that look over five years? A lot of persistence and a lot of resilience mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, huge amounts of, um, I guess I, I'm going to call it self belief, although it has um, ears of, of arrogance to it, and it doesn't 
it's not intended to come across like that. I guess it's just I've always had a very strong vision as to what we're trying to achieve. Right. And I've been very fortunate to have a co-founder who's the same and mm-hmm. we're very well aligned on that. I think that's quite a rarity in a tech company for a start. Yes. Having um, a beautiful set of skills that are really symbiotic mm-hmm. um, and we you know we know we couldn't do this business without each other right, uh, right. and so that's great um, and so when you know I'm on the other side of the world dreaming up these insights and you know what they might mean and, and he's then you know basically taking those and, and building them into beautiful assets yeah, for yeah, us yeah, and yeah. Um, we've got very good at being able to work out what's a proof of concept how do we work out you know to put this in front of someone see where they nibble and then what path we might take and okay, okay. You know, we've learned all those things the hard way right but um, having never worked in corporate, uh, I think perhaps that's an advantage in some ways um, because, of course, I'm not jaded going in on the process. Yes, I, I think yeah. that's probably been quite useful. Um, so it's been an advantage, you think? I think so. Yeah. Although, of course, you could swing that the other way and say it's been it's a disadvantage because yeah. you go in quite blind. Mm. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm an optimist, so, yeah, 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 <laughs> so, sure. so I'm a blind optimist that, yeah. that was quite happy to, to do that and um, be naive enough to believe that I could break the mould yeah, um, yeah. and, and and did. And, and so I think we turned up as quite unusual characters um, for them. They hadn't really come across people like us before and there's no way of really describing how different Kiwis are in mm, that way. Mm, you know, mm, we've, we always have to be careful about how we tread that line. Yes, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a yeah, fine yeah, one. Yeah, but, but most of them have you know, really wonderful relationships with Kiwis in general. Right, uh, right. And so aside from small pockets of things, I always laugh about the, um, the process of going through the third-party risk assessment team in New York for Estee Lauder. Oh, wow. Um, it's fair to say they don't really get Kiwi humour. Uh, <laughs> and it came a point where my team said, it would be best if you're not on these calls, Janine. I mean, there are times. <laughs> it's not the best joke. No. Wow. Well, you're, on, you're doing this via Zoom on the oh, other side God. of the world at whatever yeah. time of night or morning. <laughs> You know, joking is pretty much the default mechanism mm-hmm. at that stage. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, no. So I, I had to, I had to let up. <laughs> so, 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 what, so, what does a five-year sales process look like? You know, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting there. <laughs> long Come roundabout on, way. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, I, it's funny because I've always wanted to be able to break it back down for somebody else, and it's really non-linear, so it's very difficult to do so. But there are some core lessons so one, one it looks like is planting seeds is the way I refer to it right, right, right. for the growery <laughs> he didn't pay me to say that <laughs> uh, but planting seeds looks like recognising that within a large corporate environment there is not going to be one path mm. to getting there unless yeah. you have come in from a, um, a fluke top down approach which can also not work sometimes too mm. it's all well mm. and good for the CEO to turn around and go yeah I'm into this but then none of their team gets on board yeah. so yeah um, it's, a, it's a fine, gentle balance. So with the with those two particular clients, um, it has been a case of being open to meeting people. Mm. And so I had this way of w- working uh, in London, which was I would ask, in fact, you can trawl through my LinkedIn and see times where I have asked for this, um, because lots of people made fun of it. I can't believe you're going to just turn up there and ask people to, be, to introduce you. And I, well, other way would I do it? <laughs> I, remember, I remember you did. You yeah. Did. You said, Does it, do any of my contacts know someone at this business? Yeah, or, or yeah, just yeah. in any business up there. I was yeah, really yeah. quite um, it, it, pragmatic about it, I guess, in the sense that I figured that it's a small town. Yeah. It actually yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you get down to it, it is. Yeah, it is a it small is. town. There are networks. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's a huge population, but there are networks, and yeah, they're yeah, yeah. very clucky. So if you can get in, um, and I guess I had confidence that I'd be able to handle the journal once I was in there yeah, yeah, and yeah. which I can and so 
Um, so, so that's turn, why turning up is a lot. Turning of up, turning up is absolutely one of the core things, and turning up again and again and yes, again and yes. again and again, and just when you think you're sick of turning up, turn up a few more times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for the Evader Estee Lauder entry, it took nine meetings to get someone in Estee Lauder, and I didn't even know that that's where I was going to end up. Wow! But turned up to the first meeting where someone said, "Hey, you should meet this person. They're doing something really interesting in this space," which, if I recall, had nothing to do with anything that I do at all. Yeah. Okay. And I okay. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah. meet cool people so yes, I turned yes. up to that and then they'd go I like what you're saying that's mm. really interesting yeah, I should introduce you too so I guess I took the approach of was back myself into turning up and um, then if I did that they would introduce me to cool people and I would build my network that yes, way I yes. couldn't think of any other way to do it and of course this is what I did at 21 so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just doing it the way I knew how to do it the second one was then plant those seeds so once I got in somewhere um, recognising that Whilst, um, I mean, with Lisa Lauder, I was very lucky. The first person I met, she's just the per- was the perfect combination of things I needed. That she was high up enough in the business, she yep. was strategically involved in the business, mm-hmm. she's noisy enough in the business, and she's crazy enough in the business, to, which is quite an unusual set of skills Absolutely. within a big corporate. Yep, yep. And literally in the first meeting, they said, um, you know, if, if your product can do what you say, it will, it will change our world. And that cool. Well, wow. I'm pretty confident it can. So, but then the process after there took us, you know, two years to get through contracts and yep. people yep. on board and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But just recently, in fact, you can again see this on my LinkedIn. She did an endorsement of us um, on a, uh, actually it was an Instagram live with one of her bosses they were doing for all their salon network across the UK about how how, how Flossie is the future for them and it's going to be the answer to all their prayers. And it came out of nowhere. So (laughs) it was a beautiful sort of acknowledgement of that. But so aside from um, working with Rachel um, at Aveda within that, it was like, who else within the business can we um, make sure that we're in front of, that they're across what we're doing? And and I guess have that, um, and this was probably more relevant within the L'Oreal business, where there were so many different facets of it, whereas Mm -hmm. we went Mm -hmm. specifically with one brand within Estelada, where I'd find eventually all those dots would connect together, but I had to have faith that they would. (laughs) And that took five years. So you had to go really broad. Very broad. Yeah, yeah. And continuous. Mm. And most people would have given up. Because, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> you know, you spend a lot of money going yeah. up there and doing all these things and a lot of time. And it's difficult to get aboard and shareholders to, you know, really keep going on that journey. Yes. Then many of them would have given up way, way beforehand. It's really interesting because on LinkedIn, mm. what you see is the, the deal. We signed the deal. It's successful. So mm-hmm. so do you, how many no's did you get, do you think, getting to that one yes? Um... I don't know if I necessarily got any no's within that because um, I've only ever targeted a couple of product companies. I didn't mm-hmm. try and go mm-hmm. out there and target all 100 of them yeah, and okay. then narrow it down. I yeah. knew very clearly where I wanted to be. Mm. I was just going to have to figure out how to keep turning up and yeah, find yeah, ways yeah. to be in there. Yeah. And that's where a lovely combination of insight strategy, sales and marketing are going to be required because you're selling yourself, yes. not the product. You're yes. making yourself likable within that and that they want to spend time with you, that you are useful to them, that you're making them look good in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And every interaction gives them something that they can turn up to their next meeting and go, oh, I have this piece of data that yes. could be quite yes. useful, yeah. or, or as I'm now calling it data, I'm trying to get better. <laughs> it's <laughs> they, data. They give data. me so much grief for saying data, so I really have started to switch around data. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's good news. I thought you'd like that. <laughs> I, I remember also you used to wear a bright pink suit when you were presenting to them so you're thinking about the whole you know the whole full package of everything. absolutely being really yeah. conscious about yeah. every aspect of it i noticed a, a tweet from a vc um 
uh, Fred Dunstan, Dustin in um, London this morning talking about how there's so many par- parallels between Hollywood and uh, venture capital. And I've often said this as one of my best friends is um, a well-known actor, and we often laugh how similar our worlds actually are. Yeah, right. (laughs) Entrepreneurs and actors, very similar to it. Um, And, um, yeah, there is a theatre to it. There's a flair, um, as Jane Nicosi said to me once, and about how I dress and turn up, because you want to be memorable. And it's not jazz hands. You're not Mm -hmm. trying to just fake it. to be, to me, to be honest, it's also a counteraction to being female in a tech industry, right? Where it's very easy to be put into other boxes with that mm. and treated in a certain way. Yep. So yep. it's an offensive mechanism to yeah, a defence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. So thinking about um, selling to consumers, mm-hmm. um, so so let's talk maybe about um, about Flossie, mm-hmm. consumer in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. How did you go about? Um, building that proposition and deciding what it should look like, feel like, be who it was for, what was the process you went through for? Yeah, um, good question. Uh, I think I had the advantage of uh, a long-standing personal brand reputation in the female marketing um, space. So when I came out with Flossie, it wasn't necessarily a huge surprise for anyone having been an NZ girl for so long. So I had a a following that came with that, which I think at the time started off at about 30,000. So it's a really nice starting point in any business, which, you know, it had built over a period of time. Um, And so I think that's a starter. And then... I think at that same moment when Flossie was coming about was really the inception of personality marketing, which I see as a um, broadly part of, I guess, influencer marketing space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, I, I do get the same sort of reactions most people to do to influencer marketing as well. So I'm very <laughs> conscious of how much baggage goes with it. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> like I, yeah. It, it, it's a visceral reaction I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess because I feel like there's so much opportunity that has been missed by you know true authenticity that should be in partnerships and ambassadorships, not in you know promoting a product and adding the tag ad to yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah, that just yeah, to me is just yeah, ugh, yeah, gross. Yeah. But um, from a consumer point of view, I don't like it, which is a nice roundabout way coming into everything I do is about how does the consumer enjoy it. Okay. Even in the B2B business, it's all about the consumer experience and how do we make it the most beautiful thing that they've touched, the the easiest thing to use, that they have such an amazing experience that they turn around to other people and go, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, right. that's what I've always wanted to have. And so we focus with product first and we went, how do we make sure this utterly sings? And, and, how, I, do you, and how do you do that? What is that? Well, I'm the perfect consumer. <laughs> I mean, look yeah. at my pink hair. I am utterly magpie. And yes, I say, yes. ooh, pretty, yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I dive on in mm-hmm. and want it. And then my expectation is, is that the person who's made it has thought about it from my lens and yes. has gone, how do I ensure that you have a beautiful journey. Yep, so I get, yep. I get really upset when people don't actually follow through with that with their brands and they provide terrible user experiences mm. and terrible customer service and just it's janky and things don't, you know, work yep. work well together. Uh, so it's all about start there. Make it absolutely reason to believe mm-hmm. is that it's freaking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You can build everything around it from there. Because that's the starting point. And from there, you just you just got to pour on the top, right? How do I put people on the top of it? Because once they try it, they're your best advocates. So I don't need more than wrong? that. Where do, where do businesses get that wrong? 
they don't do that bit. They don't tra- traverse the customer journey. They yeah, don't okay. try it for themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you'd think that they would, right? Because yes. I know that you think from a sales and marketing point of view and go, you know, what's the full spectrum 360 approach? And so therefore I think we assume, therefore others do. Yeah. But I think in particularly large organizations, they're, they're so fragmented and work so much in silos. They mm. don't have that overarching. I think that's why I like seeing people like Jason Paris at the helm. Yes. Because I yes. know he thinks like this. Yes. You know, amount of times that Jason's jumped in on my problems. Poor Jason, it means he gets more of my problems. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but sorry, he does. <laughs> he does. He, he understands that customer experience. And, he, and, and that's he why Vodafone the will turn this around to, from where, yeah. you know, we all had horrific Vodafone experiences to yes. actually – They've been amazing. Absolutely. And it'll take a long time for him to get that that culture completely on path, but he's he's taking it as a cultural approach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you probably know about my of my husband, Scotty Chapman, from Spring yes, Sheep. yeah. And so um, within Spring Sheep Milk Co., same sort of approach. It is all about how do we create an extraordinary customer experience, but we start with culture. Mm-hmm. How do we create a culture mm-hmm. where people want to give, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. a, a, a take an approach of how do I make this better? They pride themselves on it. They make it competitive internally in a great way yeah, right. that they want this to be something that people love doing. So I think that's where it has to start. What, what, what do you think? Um, is, is there something that the big companies get that small companies don't? Or, you know, what's your, what's your view on that when it comes to... I think it's leadership. I think big companies can do it. But it's, a, it's just rare still to find enough leaders within big organisations who have the remit to do that. Yes. Um, and our um, joint friend Chris Lamas is a good example, mm. I think. Him and I waxed lyrical over this for many hours when I used to drink wine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was always drinking beer, but uh, it, would, it would be about, of course, is that you, you know when you're working within publicly listed companies, you're measured in six-minute increments. It's yep. very difficult yep. to um, get the, the, the resource and the attention on something that's a longer game that's going to mm. require lots of things to line up together to get the benefits and the trade-off at the other side. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, and you really need to have board and, um, well, most importantly, board and, co- and key stakeholders aligned on why this is important. So it's not the first thing that gets cut as soon as a, some sort of recessionary Absolutely. thing happens, you really know. Yeah, 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 it's crucial. crucial. Yeah. Is. yeah, it is. Um, over, your, over your career, what have, you, what have you found is best to have in-house and what's best to, to outsource? <laughs> Good question for me because I outsource everything now. Okay. Yeah. Do you? Well, it's part of how we managed to keep the the wheels on for a really long um, burn. And, um, you know, sure, we talk about six million, I think it's closer to seven now. And um, 42, I think it's closer to 48 shareholders. Um, There's a lot of people and it's a lot of money. Yes. But you put into context of what's not necessarily a lot of money for a tech company, but it is when we've raised it in increments of like twenty or $30,000. So it's huge amounts, uh, huge numbers of of, um, raising money. So uh, it's very time-consuming and that becomes very draining um, and distraction more than anything else as you go through the process. So I think where I got to with frustrations and trying to grow this where I knew my vision was really, really big and it was going to be slow and long, but the trade-off would be worth it. So if I take um, someone else who who is in our space, but not in our category, if it makes sense, mm-hmm. in the sense that we don't compete, but we're in a similar industry, and they're a New Zealand software company, and you know they took an approach of saying, let's be a um, SaaS business, and we'll have 
30,000 customers and we'll make sure we're profitable and we'll grow that way. And um, they took that path mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. took a very different one, which was definitely more about well, we know ours is going to take a bit lot longer to get to where we want to go because we've got to do so much education to get this vision. And to be very clear, the vision is the e-commerce of services. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. It encapsulates everything we've done for the last nine years, um, even if there's been changes in who we sell to and which part we play. The, the overall vision has not changed. The e-commerce of services. The e-commerce of services. It's the last bastion of e-commerce that hasn't been touched properly. The only mm. thing we've mm. ever seen in the e-commerce of services space is deal sites. Yep. And yep. yes, yep. there's so much value in um, being able to use temptation marketing in exactly the same way that you would selling a pair of sneakers mm. for mm. Um, a colour. Yep. If you look yep. at yep. how fashion-led colours have become on your head. Yeah, 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 and yeah. Um, that's why the, the massive product companies are interested in us because 90% of their businesses come from colour. Right, right, right. And but yet they don't control the mums on seats, the salon does, yes, in a see. very fragmented business. And I yet see. we provide the solution for that. Yes, so do. our right, software right. pulls all of that together in Got one it. environment. Got it. Uh, and, and so um, so getting back to the core of that question um, was <laughs> – what was it again, Ben? I can't remember. What I can't remember. Was. Was it? I was going somewhere really good with this. <laughs> but it was really interesting. <laughs> no, there was a thread. What was the question? <laughs> I think I think oh, I remember. It was about it was about in housing or oh, outsourcing. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank okay, you, thank good, you. Thank you. So I learned over the years to scale back. So we, we we went through that same process. I think a lot of software companies do, where you end up with a bigger team. Right. You've got people who specialize in all these things, and then things don't go as fast as you want them to. And of mm-hmm. course, it's mm-hmm. often deemed as a failure. When in reality, is you're still trying to move the pieces you need to move to get where you yeah. want to go. Yes. So um, Steve and I, co-founder. Um, we probably about three years ago started shedding the the things that we realized that we could outsource as required mm-hmm, and turn on mm-hmm. and off as we needed yes. and started to align ourselves with contractors who might have one or two other clients right. but could right. be loyalists to us and we'd still have them on this journey. They would still have an employee-esque to them, they and they get the business. They understand the vision. Exactly. They even have yeah, share, yeah. shareholder options. You know, like right, they're, they're right. you know really engaged with what we're doing. But they wouldn't necessarily be full time overheads. And that mm. way, if we needed to turn taps on or off, we would have more flexibility to do so. So there are literally four of us full time, and everybody else is uh, tap on or off as as we need. That's a really interesting approach. It, and it takes so much pressure off when you're going through. I mean, you know, this little thing called a pandemic that we yes, really didn't yes. plan for. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought after all the years we've nearly fallen over and managed to scrape through, we're actually in a better cash position now than we've ever been. Wow. Wow. A year into a pandemic. That's, so, so just, that's do, crazy, right? But why do businesses then, why do businesses in-house things and grow these big teams? Well, it's because contractors are expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you you know, typically you'll pay possibly two, maybe three times more an hour mm. for a contractor than you would an employee. If you're growing a business where you want some stability, um, and know that they're going to turn up to do that job, and you've got enough cash runway to you know secure that without any yes. issues. Then you know definitely an employee will probably be the mm. preferred path. But that would be okay in a structure where you know exactly what it is that your product is that you're going to deliver, and you're just replicating yep. that. Yep. So it depends on the phase that you're at within the business. Mm. And so we've we've been in establishment phase for you know a really long time, and yes. it's not until we move with these contracts that we now have through their proof of concepts and then into their global um, uh, scaling of our relationship where we might play that game and say, okay, now we need a team that looks like this and we need to know that they're not disappearing or, you know, whatever else that goes with that. But the flexibility to get to that start line and stay at the start line (laughs) is is really crucial. Oh, that's Mm. that's really interesting. 
Well, look, this, is, this has been a really interesting discussion. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Sorry, you, I went so off topic for you. <laughs> no, no, it, was, it was good. It was good. And you stayed awake. It was excellent. Yay. Um, <laughs> so to, to end our time, I suppose mm. what would be really good is if there were one piece of advice that you would leave our listeners with, something that they could go away tomorrow in action, what, what would that be? When it comes to sales and marketing, what, what have you found <laughs> has been a really key lesson for you? Okay. Yep. Um, sort of a theme I'm running with it in general at the moment is around once we know better, we do better. Um, it's just everything I'm I'm looking at across full spectrum of life. Mm. But I feel mm. like it's really pertinent to the sales and marketing category because we're very good at doing what we've always known and, yes. and um, sticking yeah. to anything like that. Yeah. Um, and so I spend a lot of time encouraging people to work past that mode and um, ask for new points of view, bring in new data, see if they can pick up a new insight that perhaps their lens was stopping them from seeing. Uh, Because, of course, we do, you know, only look at things from our own perspectives. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you broaden that out, you're able to bring in new things and then see whether they can improve on that process. Now, that could apply to the customer journey. That could apply to the way that you're actually delivering um, an ad itself. It could apply to the way that you're approaching a a sales pipeline. There's so many different ways you can apply that concept. Mm -hmm. But mostly I'm asking people to get over themselves, get out of their own way, and, um, (laughs) and not be defensive about it. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the key piece at the end, isn't it? You know, we're just we, we're all very sensitive to having done enough, whether we're good enough. And yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. once you get past that, you can actually be quite extraordinary. That is fantastic advice, Janine. Mm, thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. If you liked it, you can follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app for fortnightly episodes. For other great New Zealand podcasts, head over to podcasts.nz. And if it's IT expertise you're after, then make your way to gorillatechnology.com. See you next time.